I hope you're strapped in and strapped on. Hello, uh, everyone, and welcome back to Sexistentialist. Today we are talking about a very special topic. Um, you know, some of you might be familiar. It's a concept, you know, I could describe it by saying, you know, it lasts anywhere from 20 seconds to two minutes. It can alleviate pain. It can enhance your sense of smell. That's right, folks. Um, we're talking about the big O. And today I am joined by licensed psychotherapist and psychologist, MoMA, um, who has a focus on sex and couples therapy. MoMA, thank you so much for joining me. Thank you so much for having me. Hi, 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 hi. I'm so happy to be here. Um, yes. Yeah, so excited. Love. I mean, obviously, I'm a sex podcaster and sex educator, so I love talking about orgasms, um, as we all do, the pursuit of them <laughs> and and all that jazz. Um, so I would love to hear a little bit about your background and what ended up, you know, with you pursuing this line of work or this passion, I can call it. Yes. So, um, well, my um, I started studying psychology. Um, as like a, just like general psychology and um, then I I remember that like I feel very interested in sex like in the sex um, topic so then I decided to like start the master that it was like sex and couple therapy master and during that master I remember that I I, I was like doing some therapy to to people and stuff like for almost two years and I was like very I, I was very happy to be in my field but there was something missing because I was like seeing persons like consultation after consultation and sometimes I didn't see a person again so I didn't I was seeing that I wasn't like appreciate appreciating like the transformation so that's why that's when I decided to switch to coaching and um I started my coaching like early this year and um it's more based in like in online courses program in like um mentoring through all eight weeks or 12 weeks depends on the client so this way I'm actually like seeing the, a transformation in them and I'm more focusing on like orgasms and inorgasmia um, treatment. So that's why my coaching at this moment is for women. So that's a little what yeah. I do. Yeah. That's awesome. Yeah. And I, um, I mean, I think orgasms obviously come, a, come up a lot. You know, my podcast here, Sex Essentials, is not just about, you know, orgasms, but it is like just kind of inherently a really big talking point for for having a sex and dating podcast. Um, and so I guess I want to start off by giving folks um, a bit of context. You know, like I can talk about my own subjective experience all day, but um, maybe if you could start by giving us like a little bit of an overview, like what is an orgasm? Well, yeah, I mean, like we all could have like a different definition of orgasm. But like, um, there's one in particular that I always mention. It's like, um, it's the scene like of the experience um, that men and women characterize subjectively as blue to abstractor or ecstasy. I like the word ecstasy because um, it relates with climax and 
personally for me um i think that when we like experience an orgasms we are coming back to life hmm i love that um and i definitely think like ecstasy is a word that resonates with me and my orgasm experience for sure <laughs> yeah. um and i'm i mean i'm very open about my own experiences good and bad on the show so um i'm unafraid to say that for everyone but i like that um, <laughs> Thank you. Yeah. And I, I mean, I have said on episodes before I have a complicated relationship with sex. I have a complicated relationship with my orgasm and I've put in a lot of work to have a healthy relationship with it. Um, but it is, it's a lot of work. Um, so before, okay, before we get ahead of ourselves, um, I want to also clarify for folks, um, especially non-women people who listen to the podcast, um, cause I do have quite a few male listeners. Um, but I want to kind of provide the context that there isn't just one type of orgasm for women as well, right? Um, do you want to give us a little bit of an idea of what the different types of orgasms are? Yeah, there, there's actually a lot of debate around that. Like some people, some professionals say that there are 24 different kinds of orgasms. Others say there's just only 11. And others say that there's only three or four. But I actually like um, base my practice in just three well in just three or four sometimes but and they are like cl clitoral orgasms and cervical orgasm blended orgasms and um g-spot orgasm for me that's that's our the four one like more important because i don't i yeah I, I, I mean like i don't i don't think i don't discard that they exist more but i believe these are the more like popular yeah, the, I think definitely those are the core orgasms. I mean, I, um, I I understand that people have erogenous zone orgasms and that blows my mind. But like, just to think about, I mean, I wish it were as easy for me as like, you know, a man plays with my nipple for like long enough and I get there. Mm -hmm. That's not how it works for me. <laughs> but like, yes, no, I, I value and appreciate the fact that that exists. But I agree. Yeah, at least in my my um experience and i think those around me those are i definitely agree those are the core so that makes sense um so where to begin right there are a ton of questions um that i have and i'm sure um you have a lot of information i guess i want to ask um first of all like how do these different areas provide different orgasms do um do those sensations vary per location and, and perhaps like how do you encourage people to explore um, those different types of orgasms? Or maybe, I don't know, for me, it's like probably I have like one more over the other. So I don't know if that comes into play as well. Actually, um, like in my experience and what I tell to my clients is that it's very difficult like to expert to like to know which kind of orgasm you're having like a certain time. But there's like different forms of stimulation for example if you have if you want to have like a clitoral orgasms it's like you need to focus in the clitoris uh, that is like the labias um majoras and labia minoras so you you just like need to stimulate the labias minoras and that's how you get the clitoral orgasms and the mm -hmm. g-spot orgasms is more inside because um the g-spot that is also a lot of debate around this um is like they say five in between five and eight centimeters um inside mm -hmm. the vagina but more 
like in the in the belly side, not in the back side. So yeah, this kind of orgasms is when like the one that you can get actually the squirt in. So mm -hmm. um, it's very like if you have one, you will. I think you will know. I I haven't had one, so I can talk. But yeah, they say that. And the blended orgasm is like a combination when you uh, have a stimulation in the nipples and the clitoris. And yeah, I think that. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah, no, that's, um, that's super interesting. Cause I think like I personally probably make assumptions about my orgasm, sorry, to the type that I'm having. I think like, um, I, so I, I did an episode a while back on sex toys. And I think in that episode, I had a panel kind of, of, of um, both like gay and straight men and women talking about like partnered experiences and solo experiences. But um, something that I found that a lot of the women talked about is that when it, having multiple orgasms, the first one feels like clitoral and then the second or the subsequent ones feel more vaginal or G-spot. Is that like, was that assumption accurate or did we just assume because like the contractions are happening vaginally and we just kind of like assume it's a G-spot orgasm, but it's actually not? Actually, it's funny that you mentioned that because I recently experienced um, some multiple orgasms and during an intercourse and um, yes, definitely they feel different because um, as you say, the first one is like less, it's, it's more like exterior if you if you can yeah. say and then the other ones were more like inside and i guess that that's what you mean when you say um yeah i think that that's like something that really happens because um it's like it's natural hmm Sometimes I feel like my clit just taps out after one or two yeah. you know what yeah. i mean and then it and then it just the rest my my vagina or vulva just takes over yeah. um like, needs a nap after one. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Um, so I think something that comes up a lot um, with women in particular is um, why does it take so much work and build up to achieve an orgasm? Obviously, I know that the ability to experience an orgasm exists on a spectrum. And obviously, you work with women who have it, you know, much more difficult than other folks. Um but why why does it take so much work? <laughs> well, um, yeah, interesting question. Um, they say I was reading um, an article last last week, I think, and they say that cl only close to eighty percent of women can achieve an orgasm only by penetration alone. So it's something like it's pretty clear at this time. Like it's hard to to achieve an orgasm because we actually need some like some work. It's different from men that they just like can come so easily. I think that's why yeah. women like always comparing and always feeling like why is it so hard to to orgasm me. So, but I think it's just like the right stimulation outside and the penetration. I think that's the like this combination is is the, is the one for you to achieve an orgasm. Hmm. I once was in a um in a workshop this was a long time ago and I um had someone the the trainer talk about how um like when we masturbate right as you know 
starting from whatever age we start, which varies, of course, as well. And into adulthood, we like program ourselves to orgasm a couple of ways, right? So like for men, this can lead to erectile dysfunction, right? You know, a a lot of the time a pussy is never going to be quite as aggressive as a hand, like let's be honest. But also um, I know for me as a woman, I've always been self-conscious about that. Like, oh shoot, like did I program myself to be like too difficult for a partner to pleasure because I was having a great time by myself at a young age. Um, Have you found that that comes up in conversations that you have or does that hold any stock? Yes. um, Actually, there's like a mental component in this because, um, Mm -hmm. for example, my like what I treat in my program, sexual healing, is actually women that have that have like um struggle achieving orgasm because they have these mental blockages and in like like in it, this is based in the story they have created around sex or why like what they believe about sex or orgasming um so there's like a, the mental component is a big thing is in this like if you are not present if you are like um in another like in another galaxy as i say like you are not going going to achieve the orgasm so that's why i actually um recommend my like practicing mindfulness if you are having trouble to orgasming too because that's definitely like gonna help you just being present and thinking like and having like some um ideas that actually turn you on you know what I mean like not just thinking oh what I'm not getting to the orgasm why I'm not getting like just thinking changing the mind the the mindset yeah Mm -hmm. that's really interesting and um I something that comes up a lot too on this podcast is therapy because I've been I'm open about I've been in therapy um for two years, I have an anxiety disorder and I'm grateful for my therapist. And of course, when you're going through anxiety treatment, a lot of the time mindfulness comes up or you're encouraged to do mindfulness practice. I will say I'm not the best at it. I really struggle to be present. Um, but it makes total sense to me that orgasmically, like that's that's relevant, that it's important to be mindful to take off some of the, the pressure. Or like you said, to think about something that turns you on. I think like I struggle um, with that as, as well, with like being present and trying to like mentally get there. Um, and I have a great sex. Like I'm, I'm in a long-term relationship. I, you know, I, I'm lucky, but, um, even that's hard for me. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so that makes sense though. Um, so you've shared that you have helped women achieve their first orgasm, um, which is awesome. Congratulations to you. And to them. <laughs> Thank um, you. <laughs> Can you kind of walk me through um, what that looks like? I guess in my head, there's a lot of shame and stigma around adult women not having an orgasm, uh, especially in this like kind of progressive or more progressive world we live in where people are like, yes, like free the orgasm, like women's liberation. It's harder, I think, to be like, oh, I really struggle with that. Um, so kind of what what do people come to you and say? And then what is... Like, how, how does that happen? How did you make that happen for so many people? Well, I said so many. I assume it's many. <laughs> yeah, there's many. Um, well, actually, um, what, like, first thing when, when they get to me is, like, I ask them, 
there's some of them like is that, that are even like in their 40s or 50 and they say like I don't know what is an orgasm I don't know if I have had one or like I don't feel satisfaction those are like their pain points so first thing I ask them is like if they like have checked with a gynecologist like if everything is okay there because I need first to discard that so when they yeah. tell me yeah everything is okay so then I know that is mental so how like how mm. like as I say before, this is like a big component because um, when I know that it's mental, I need to like to deconstruct like all the belief, all the limiting belief, blockages and like a story they created. And then I give some sex education and then like I like teach them like how to have like a sexual awakening. I was having a conversation with one of my current clients and she was telling me that we are in like week eight or something and she was telling me I now I'm feeling that I'm having like a sexual awakening because I'm feeling more aware of what I'm doing like I'm being more present not judgmental and that's why I say mindfulness is so so important in here like I have I all my clients that practice mindfulness and do the stuff like as I say and the sex education and the stuff like they they get their orgasm after the, after that yeah that's awesome I think you you touched on a couple of really interesting points I think um one like it's never too late to have a sexual awakening right um you know like I am lucky that I grew up with sex positive parents and didn't feel shame about masturbating and I sorted my shit mm-hmm. out but um I know that that's not everyone's experience and um so I think that's really important to acknowledge just because it it, it isn't limited to people who are early so to speak in their in their sexual like experiences um so that's one and two I think the importance of sex education as well I think it's really hard to um to try to achieve anything if you don't know any of the context or like what you're looking yeah, for yeah or the anatomy and the stuff yeah exactly <laughs> and obviously um all of the above is a huge problem um in like education globally I feel like um it's really it's rare to come across like a really comprehensive sex education program at a young age so um I think that that makes a ton of a uh, ton of sense and obviously like for me part of why I have a passion about sex education as well is because I feel like our bodies are vehicles for pleasure and it's important to like normalize that and um, help people figure out what that looks like for them. And education about the wide range of sexual experiences is super important, even if it's foreign to me or, or seems, you know, weird, quote unquote, weird to some people. Um, I think it's important nevertheless. So um, I think that's cool. And so cool that, um, that women are getting to ex- like, I'm thinking about being, 40 or 50 and having that experience for the first time and like what a gift that must be for people. I know. Um, <laughs> are people, what are people's reactions when they have their first orgasm? They're like, uh, like when a kid gets to Disney or to like a <laughs> diversion park, like they're like, oh my God, I experienced this and it was so amazing because sometimes they can like there's a, a kind of an orgasmia that is like um situational in orgasm well I, i'm gonna like talk a little about in orgasmia 
Um, there's like three kinds different of inorgasmia. That is um, in primary inorgasmia, secondary inorgasmia, and situational inorgasmia. So the primary is the woman that, that I was telling you about that they hit the 40s or the 50s and never experienced because they don't know how. So that's primary inorgasmia. So then the secondary inorgasmia are women that could previously orgasms and then currently can't because about mm. some any situations and stuff. And then the situational inorgasmia is the one that women can orgasm like by solo sex and masturbation, but can with a partner. So that's the most common situational inorgasmia. So um, like most, like I, this client that I was mentioning before, she, she cool, like when she started the program, she cool orgasm by herself with sex toys and stuff. But now in the program, she's actually achieving orgasms with her partner. So she was like so excited because she was like, oh my God, I was, I couldn't be able to, to achieve an, an orgasm with my partner. And they, and this create like so shame in them because they, they don't like, they don't get honest with their partner like 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 as she should be. They like for example they fake they prefer to fake instead of like getting open and say, Hey, I can come with you because it, it creates like some kind of um I don't know, like it's like tension. Yeah, tension yeah. in the in the couple. So yes, the she was like so happy, she was like, Oh wow, um I like I she felt like she was born again, blah blah blah. <laughs> Yeah, it's interesting. <laughs> and it's so rewarding for me. Yeah, no, I can imagine. Um, that's amazing. And also, thank you for clarifying the differences. Truth be told, I didn't know that there was like a category difference um, within like the anorgasmia umbrella term. So that makes a ton of yeah. sense. Um, and I mean, I have gone through phases where I've had difficulty um, achieving orgasm with a partner. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. It, it turned out really that I was with a shitty partner and like emotionally I was disconnected. And so once I ended and was like with someone who I was like safe and comfortable, it was like a, an awakening for me. Not quite probably like that extent, but it is really important. Yes, yes, it is. Because um, that's actually when I, I there's an, that's another thing that I ask, like if they are having the right stimulation, because if they're done, like if the partner is not like doing the right job or like she don't, you don't have like in orgasm, you just have like a bad stimulation. So there's a difference. <laughs> yeah, that's a really good point. Um, and I guess um, my question is like, how, how do these, um, you know, I, I mean, I guess it varies per client, but um, what way for, for the woman whose orgasm is just really, really hard to get to, like she's a, she's having a particularly difficult time with it. Is it through masturbation that the orgasm is like easier to achieve if, if she has issues overall or is it, and then like partnered is like kind of another step or what does that look yeah, like? Yeah, it's just like that. Um, if, if it's a woman that has primarily an orgasmia, I first start with masturbation with her like alone, mm -hmm. some exercise. Um, and then like maybe third week, I introduce like a sex toy. And then if they can achieve the orgasm with a sex toy, and then we can pass to the partner. It's like, uh, mm -hmm. so is it, is it usually, um, so I guess for me, I'll share, like I 
have a much easier time, like many women, I guess, um, with a toy when I'm with a partner. Because I think for me, like sometimes I feel guilty if he's like going down on me for a long time or fingering me for a long time or whatever. I mean, again, I have a great partner. He'll he's giving. Like I'm I'm blessed in that way. Aww. But sometimes I feel bad. You know what I mean? I'm like, oh man, he's he's been down there for 15 minutes. Like <laughs> I'd like to see his face. So like I'll just pull out a toy. Oh my God. <laughs> I got you. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. So it's like, poor guy. Like, you know what yeah. I mean? Um so but that's that's kind of the thought though, is it's like all like I'm I'm like anxious that he's you know they're like making the word. Yeah, I know. <laughs> Yeah. So I, so I pull out one of my, I mean, I have a, a beautiful toy collection and I continue to add to it. Um, like is, is it, I guess, more common with your clients for that to be the case that toys end up being a really useful resource in bed or are there women who manage to find like this magical, like hand, you know, like toy free. No, most of them need the sex toys. Yeah. They are like such okay. a good tool to help a woman achieve orgasm because I mean, like it takes a lot of work and effort to, to just do it by hand or, you know what I mean? Like, yeah, definitely sex toys came like to save so many life in sex. Yeah, that's fair. And I found too, like, for me, it takes a lot of mental pressure off. Um, because I know like a toy will never get tired. Although sometimes the batteries do die. And that is always the worst. If I haven't charged my toy, and it dies halfway through. That's like, terrible. But um, totally that that makes a ton of sense. And um, I definitely relate to that too, on the like psychological front, for sure. Um, so I guess, um, I, I crowdsourced a couple of questions. So I, you know, I have like a couple of friends who are, um, you know, virgins to be honest and like have only, um, for religious reasons and have only experienced orgasm with a toy by themselves. And I have lots of friends and listeners who are gay men. And so they're like, okay, well, I understand like a prostate orgasm and like a penis orgasm, but, um, really still don't understand kind of like what the appeal is for women to be penetrated if clitoral orgasms tend to be um, kind of the primary. Um, could you like kind of explain, I know at the beginning you said the combination simulation seems to be really key. Can you explain for people who who aren't vulva or vagina owners, like what the appeal of being penetrated is? <laughs> yeah, um, I mean like, um, combined stimulation is like a technique that they use because, um, for example, for those women that you mentioned that can have penetration, what I recommend is like sex toy with like in the clitoris and like maybe using like their hands in their boobies because the nipples plays like a big role in coming. Um, bueno, for mm. majority of women, like there's women that doesn't feel anything, but um yes uh, religion plays a big role that's actually good that you mentioned and in sex because um like can I, I believe that religion can like prevent people to like to see sex as a good thing and they just like are relating sex to like a bad thing or just like maybe for men or so just only for procreation and stuff so definitely um I believe that as a woman, you need to like to know 
like what's best for you for example like um mm. i i don't i don't like i don't like to see a woman to to not have like a sex good life a good sex life because she's just like into religion like i don't want to be i don't want to sound like mean but i i i believe that you deserve a sex good life and that doesn't make you a bad person or less less of a woman or you know what i mean yeah totally um and i so um i had a friend on for an episode about specifically like american evangelical purity culture and then i had another friend on who is a gay man and um he's a mexican catholic right so there's like cultural homophobia and religious homophobia so there's a lot to unpack as it goes like insofar as religion relates to sex and i think too like um there's, I mean, there's a lot of shame without the religion. And when you add the religious component, there's a lot of shame that, that ties into that. And it's really unfortunate because I, I do think people can be sexual and religious at the same time if they so choose. Me too. Um, is religion something that comes up a lot with your clients as, as a psychological Yeah, company? yeah, a lot. Um, actually, that's the main main topic. Like when, when I start treating my clients is the religion component because they most of them like grew up thinking about like as I say like oh my god sex is just for men to have pleasure just to procreation so I need to like change this mind this this like switch switch their mind and into thinking that it's not bad and that's when like sex education comes because Mm. like I, I need to like make them feel safe thinking that sex is part of life that sex is healthy that actually sex is a for me sex is too important in a relationship so i see so many clients that have like happy marriage happy marriage but (laughs) in sex they are like they are very afraid of to try new things you know because of their religion because they don't want to like feel like a like, oh my God, if I do this, my man is going to think this, that I'm, if, if I do that, I'm, he's going to think that. And just like, I just make them like feel safe to just be in the, mm-hmm. their self. Like, it's not like forget about the religion, but just like focus on, on you and during sex or like forget that in that moment, because you need to be present and you need to enjoy as a human. Yeah. No, I think I think that's really um, that's really important. I'm surprised that that's such a big component, but I guess I shouldn't be right. Like a lot be, of people yeah. grow up super religious or in a religious house or are still religious, and um, it feels like it's next to impossible to separate those thoughts about sex from religious ideology. Um, so that's a lot. Of, that's a lot of work. Yeah, that's a lot of work, <laughs> and I believe that like a lot of years is gonna pass until people can maybe start separating them yeah that's a that's a good point it does feel like it has to be like a bigger it's not an individual shift it's definitely like a large scale like bigger world type of shift Mm -hmm, um, mm -hmm. for that mindset um that's so interesting I um I wonder if you ever have clients who go from being like you know never achieving orgasm to like trying crazy thing crazy things in bed with their long-term partners does it ever go that far or is it like baby steps yeah it's it's more baby steps like uh, (laughs) (laughs) like um for example I can I can see that as with a friend 
but not with clients because since I only like work from eight to 12 weeks, like mm. it's hard. Like sometimes they like, they can get back to me and tell me some house life and stuff like in the current situation. But like, I have seen that in friends that they start like being very shy in sex and, um, and then like, they are just now like this, like, crazy fish <laughs> bringing like trying bdsm and stuff yeah <laughs> so um yeah it's actually funny when ha that happens because i feel like wow i get it girl like wow <laughs> yeah. yeah i know i i mean i'm a big fan of like i'll try most anything once i you know i tried like group sex threesomes before that wasn't for me I tried it a few different ways and that was like too many cooks in the kitchen for me personally <laughs> but like you know what I mean I think it was like too I'm having too many conversations and like I'm like okay there's a dick here there's a vagina here like I don't know where to go next like um it's just too much. but that's again that's that's my experience and I know lots of people love you know poly people have um sex with multiple people you know together or not and that's a lot of communication and I applaud everyone who can manage that because I am not that yeah it's tough enough to talk to myself and my partner um but yeah I I love the idea of people um having like a late life sexual awakening and then suddenly like installing a sex swing into their master bedroom like, yeah <laughs> in my head it's just fun to imagine um the leaps that people can take I don't know even if it's a little unrealistic, it's a fun thing for me to consider. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I know. <laughs> um, something that's a little bit um, different. I, I don't. I know with the the type of work that you do with clients. I don't know if this ever comes up. So if it doesn't, no worries. But a question um, that has come up recently in a lot of conversations that I've had um, is about like. Um, physical arousal and orgasm during instances of like assault or non-consent. And I think um, we talk about it, I think or we, you know, the public has talked about it more recently with, you know, just because a man has an erection doesn't mean it's consent, right? But there are instances where women experience like a physical reaction even during a non-consensual situation, have you encountered conversations around that? Or do you have any insight that kind of explains um, the fact that like physical arousal doesn't equal consent? Um, yeah, that's um, actually um, one of my clients um, experienced like what she calls sexual trauma because she, it wasn't like consensual sex and that actually um, make her, um, be like have anorgasmia but like situational anorgasmia because this encounter that she had like marked like a market like a different um like it kind of like traumatized her because she said that she yeah. felt like um the the man has like an erection when she has she kind of like felt turned on but she didn't want to and then it happened yeah. so I needed like to to treat this sexual trauma with her because she 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 wasn't achieving the orgasms because of that because every time she was with a partner she remembered that time and like everything comes up again and again and so I needed to treat that trauma first so she can like achieve yeah. the orgasm so yeah there, this there's definitely like 
a lot of a lot of work to do around that because um since this society and like the the society we live in is very like um oriented to machism and patriarchy and like men's think or believe that if a woman like um if they have like an erection with a woman they just need they just can enter the vagina and it's like this sex education fixed this but we are not having sex education in the schools so right exactly yeah so there's there's a lack of education on the like woman's side of what is my orgasm supposed to be or like even just not having shame about having an orgasm or pursuing one but then too totally um and actually that's i will share like the reason i became so invested in sex education for me um for for myself but also like i'm going to be teaching sex education actually starting this month um i'm going to be to um teenagers age 11 to 14 which i think is a really crucial age and part of that is too because i um i'm so tired of um instances of sexual assault um yeah. and rape culture and um it feels like for me as an individual the only thing i can do is to try to help with the preventative work right so one yes teaching women how to how to pursue their orgasm but also teaching men at a young age about consent and respect and boundaries um so it's yeah but i i can imagine how much work has to be done um, to unpack the shame that happens with like the the ties between physical arousal and um, a non-consensual or assault situation oh my god that's like congratulations because that that work is so much needed in this world and I actually like I love to see people to get into sex education just because of this cause like it's kind of like yeah. makes me feel proud <laughs> Yay. Thank you. And I, I mean, obviously I feel the same way about your work because I feel like it's so important. Um, and it all, it all ties together. Um, I took a, and this is a little bit of a tangent, but I took a, a comprehensive sex ed course outside of school. My mom put me in one because I had super progressive parents and my mom, um, put me in this and I was, I think I was 12 and believe it or not, the one question I had for her one day after a class was like, I still don't know what an orgasm is, funnily enough. So I, that's the thing is like, I knew, okay, orgasms, men have them. It feels good, but it's also like, it's for procreation. And in my mind, like, it just felt good to have sex. And I didn't understand that the body could, like that there was something that, you know, you felt that was kind of like, the the triumph of all the stimulation I thought it just felt good the whole way and then you like tapped out and it was done I mean one that's a problem because then it puts the onus on the male ejaculation and like that's the meant to be like the you know the grand finale Uh but also just like no one had ever told me that a woman could have an orgasm yeah yeah to me too like nobody told us that that's (laughs) that's why women at 50 and 40 didn't haven't achieved one because they they didn't knew yeah um I figured it out shortly thereafter, but um, I, I like needed needed to know that there was something worth looking out for. Yeah, and actually, like, um, there's um some research that says that as like a woman can start experiencing orgasms at age between eight and eleven. 
like without yeah. noticing like they, they just do like well for me it was like I just used to like hold my my legs and like yeah. make a pressure and that's how like I, I experienced something that it was pleasurable and I was like okay now I I remember that was an orgasm but nobody told me that yeah you know I think so the first like I, I the first orgasm that I remember having was unfortunately when I was with someone else. So like after knowing about orgasms, I kept trying to have an orgasm and I was like 12, 13, but I kept just penetrating myself and I didn't understand. Like, again, I, I had been taught about the clitoris, but I, I did not understand like really what that looked like. I couldn't figure out where my arousal was like existing in my body. And it wasn't until I was like fingered to orgasm unexpectedly during I was like not even having sex I was like a teenager in high school I was just making out with someone and he was you know messing around in my jeans and I was like oh shoot what was all that about um and so I I had experienced arousal though as a kid and maybe I don't know maybe an orgasm at a younger age because I definitely did the like crossing my legs like and a lot of fantasizing I feel like that's something I did a ton of as a kid was sexual fantasizing without really knowing what that looked like, but stuff I'd seen in movies that I was like, oh, well, that has a, a response for me. Yeah, totally normal. Yeah. Yeah. See, you can be 40 and 50, but also um, there's a lot to unpack at like teenager years. And I'm, I'm excited to talk to people about that in the future here soon. But um, I wanted to ask too, so I know um, it. you mostly, I think, work it sounds like you mostly and correct me if I'm wrong work with one-on-one clients um women clients but I love to know what your couple's work has looked like and advice that you might give to a partner of someone who struggles with anorgasmia well um first uh, like a couple that struggle with anorgasmia first thing is communication being honest and open about your situation and then like as a couple like look for help like if you if you don't know how to get to that point you just look for help and you just educate yourself like to like uh like to know watch like what are the problems that that are that are not getting you into like orgasming and another thing is that it has to be like if if it's like a long time couple maybe um they need like to reignite the spark like maybe going on dates and um like making some exercise about like communication and looking at each other and um I believe that there's like a emotional component in this too when a, mm-hmm. like yeah so that, that, that's why I'm creating actually like a program for couples that is gonna be like coming back together to a long time term couples that are like falling apart and don't know how to get back to each other and or are not having like the sex life they want to and yes it's interesting working with couples it's even more full as a coach for me because when I sometimes work with a with a woman um it's like a part of the of the you know what I mean like when I have like a couple, I think it's more easily to approach the 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 work. Yeah, that that makes sense. I mean, I imagine, um, and sometimes like in a non-sexual context, my therapist will say something like, "Well, I only hear your side of the story." Like, let's remember, mm-hmm. but 
from the sounds of it, you know, X, Y, and Z, whatever we're talking about, right? And so I can imagine too with sex um, or like sexual play of any kind, like it it is sometimes difficult to know what um, what's really going on or what really needs to be addressed if you don't have both sides of the story, so to speak. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Definitely. It's better Um, to have them both. (laughs) Yeah, that makes sense. And do you find that male partners are receptive to that or do you have to kind of like ease them into it? Yeah. Most of the time, male partners are not into sex coaching. Like that's being honest. They are like, oh, this is a waste of time, blah, blah, blah. And sometimes I have like some, this, this was more in my therapy, more than in my coaching. But sometimes the the males are the one that bring the woman to the therapy. So it's like it's an interesting um, combination, if what I if I can say that. But it's like more sometimes more the woman, like most of the times. Yeah, that's so interesting though that um, some people, some men are resistant to it, but also some men are like know that the woman needs help. <laughs> Yeah, I feel like I feel like my partner would do that. Um, if I wasn't already in therapy, he would uh-huh. be like, "You should you like maybe we should get you like a little bit of you just seem you just seem strange. I'm not crazy, but I learn a lot of really healthy coping mechanisms from my therapist, mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. Um, that's I mean it sounds like what you're giving to to women as well as as their coach which is awesome yeah and it's funny because um sometimes when when the man is like resistant at the at the beginning and then they see the results they're like oh my god why you didn't hire her before and i'm like uh-huh. <laughs> like please and you think that they they would realize that they're gonna long-term benefit from it right like they're gonna have well they have you encouraging them to basically have more sex better sex yeah so like what like what would the downside even be for the man involved do you know what I mean (laughs) well yeah I mean that's what I mean too like (laughs) it's a win-win situation like from the start you just just like support her and like even pay it for her because it's your like it's your sex life and your relationship actually depends on it yeah so would you say that, um, do you think that orgasms are, or have they been in your experience, like make or break in a relationship? Yes. Yeah. Um, I mean, like, I think the biggest uh, issue here is when they start faking, 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 because yeah. um, that kind of separate partners, like you can lose the connection when you start faking. So orgasms plays a big role in sex and relationships Hmm. I am sure that that is a real bummer for a lot of people listening (laughs) and who struggle with that folks if this is an issue for you you know who to reach out to (laughs) yeah I'm here ready to help you (laughs) (laughs) um speaking of that where can people get in touch with you if people want to reach out to you for coaching or want to follow your content what are the best ways for them to do that well, um, my handle is Mama in Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, and also my my website, awaremama.com. So yeah, you can definitely, and it, Instagram is the, the one that I use the most. So you can just like send me a DM or like in, write me an email. 
I t totally get back to you soon. And um, yes. Awesome. So you are accepting clients? Yeah, I'm accepting clients. Beautiful listeners. Find her. Um, perfect. I will link all of that too um, in relevant Instagram posts and um, on the Spotify and Apple. Um, before we go, do you have any final thoughts that you wanted to share with the Sex Essentialist listeners? Yeah. Um, in order to have like a very sex life, if you're struggling with this, communication, mindfulness, and professional help will will get you where you want to be. So, um, yes. <laughs> Amazing. Thank you so much for joining me again. It's been super enlightening. And um, that's coming from someone who, you know, loves an orgasm. So I'm sure for other people, it will be especially so. Thank you again, though. It's been really great. Thank you for having me. Um, I enjoy a lot. <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>